Greetings, everybody. Prepare your minds and souls for Canada's number one psychic medium. Matthew Stapley told me you'd be listening, and he has a special message just for you, dear listener. It's this interview we did together, and it's been some of the most fun I've had making this podcast so far. Matthew has nearly two very well-regarded decades as a psychic medium. In that time, he's been featured in dozens of publications, podcasts, television shows, has created two oracle card decks, and has assisted thousands of people worldwide in working through grief, self-acceptance, and fear. I understand some of you may be skeptics, but just remember which show you're listening to. Give my expert a chance to change the way that you see what he and many others do. Before we get started, I wanted to give a huge thank you to my audience, the best audience in the world. This podcast recently got featured as a rising talent on not one, but two separate podcasting websites, and I know that I couldn't have gotten there without each and every one of you. Now then, let's not use Ouija boards. Welcome to the show, Matthew Stapley. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Well, I'm very happy with the invite, so I appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you. Um, For everyone out there, why don't you give a little introduction about yourself? Oh, man. Well, I like long walks on the beach and red. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm a psychic medium. I'm located in Ottawa, Canada. Um, And basically, I just help people through their grieving process and um, help them to make sense out of life and all of its crazy challenges that we get thrown on a regular basis. And that, I think that's very interesting. When I was trying to to set up this interview, I'm like, I don't even know where to start. You know, I can understand that. It's a really uh, off the beaten path topic, I think. It's something that is definitely becoming more common, but it's still something that a, a lot of people don't necessarily understand. I don't even know if the, those of us who do this work fully understand it um, a lot of the time because, you know, we can only go, you know, based on the things that that we experience um, and none of them are tangible. So it's it's a bit of a challenge sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. When I asked my audience, hey, do you have any questions if I have, you know, a, a psychic medium on the show? They said, yeah, first question, um, will this interview be good? <laughs> you know, I I wish I could answer that, but you know what? No psychic has also ever won the lottery. So I'm not sure that, I'm not sure how much of a prediction I can give on that one, my friend. That's all right. We'll do the best we can. We'll uh, put it out there. Awesome. Sounds good. So can you kind of give us a, um, I know there's the, the image, I guess everyone has in their head when they think, you know, medium or psychic, Hmm. um, how do you see what you do? Well, it wasn't really what I signed up for in my younger (laughs) years, right? Like I went to school for nursing and then become a lab tech and, you know, like pretty much everything else um, under the sun. But I mean, what does it look like to, to be a psychic medium? I think 
I think there's a lot of misconceptions for sure. One of the big ones is that we know everything because we absolutely don't, or that when we communicate with spirits, that it's just like talking to a person, which it's not at all the same. Um, it's in fact, it's quite different. Um, like our conversation, for example, it's very physical world. It's, you know, like I can easily understand you. I can see you on the video camera, all of that. But with spirit communication, it's very subtle and it's often very symbolic. So there's an element of like having to really feel out what the message might be. Um, so there's that, that's a, a big misconception. And I think the other is that we just all have all of our crap together and we're perfect angelic human beings, which is in my experience as myself, definitely not the case on a day-to-day -day level. I mean, I, I wake up and, and see my clients and then go to bed at night and watch movies and, and all of that, like everybody else would. Yeah. So I guess the only difference between what I do and, you know, the kind of nine to five job I had in the past is really the quality of the work. And I think where it differs a lot um, is that when people come to see somebody like me, they've already usually been to all of the other ways of helping themselves that they could possibly try first, which honestly, I believe is the right way to go about it. Um, I think that we should sort of be like a later stop on the trail of self-help, right? And the reason why is I think it's important that people find their own healing, their own empowerment as much as they can on their own. Um, but when they come to see me, usually they're in, you know, a very challenging space and they needed help 10 years ago and they've tried everything else. And so there is an element of vulnerability for sure um, in the work that I do. And I think that is um, something that's very special and should be respected by the people who do this work. And I think it also sets it kind of apart from other types of helping professions. Yeah, absolutely. And that's incredible, you know, work to be able to help someone when they come to you. I think it's a, a huge responsibility because, you know, like when people are in, a, especially with grief, for example, if they're coming because they're, you know, they're grieving somebody who's passed away, there's an element of vulnerability with that. There's also an element of desperation sometimes with that. And I think one of the the important sort of tenets of this practice is that we we respect that and we don't ever you know take advantage of that and we remember what it's like when we grieve our own loved ones because believe it or not even though we're mediums we still grieve people when they pass away because again it's not like just sitting there talking to somebody um and i think that it's it's vital that we work comp as compassionately as we possibly can and i would say mediumship specifically is um almost a embodiment of compassion on a certain level, because you have to get into a space of as much unconditional love as you can, even to make that connection with spirit. You can't do that from a place of, you know, hatred or anger or greed or anything like that. You have to do it from a place of love. Yeah. And if I roll back the clock, when did you kind of find this ability in yourself? Sure. Um, so it started when I was actually really, really young. I was around eight years old for the first experience that I remember. But my parents and, and you know, family and stuff remember things from way before that. Um, my first experience was an unnerving one, <laughs> at least for my father. He was traveling in Thailand uh, for work and I was in Carlton Place, which is just outside of Ottawa where I grew up. And he called to say hi to, you know, me and my mom and my brother. And uh, I got on the phone with him and I said, Dad, what are those big teeth sitting beside you on the table? And he was like, those are elephant tusks. How can you see them? Like, how did you know they were there? And I said, oh, I can see them in my, my head. And he said, well, what else can you see? So I started describing the room he was sitting in 
Um, and uh, then I remember saying, oh, and uh, you know, outside there's a fountain. And he said, there's no fountain outside. And I said, dad, there's a fountain. I can hear it. And he said, even if there was a fountain, you wouldn't be able to hear it because I'm inside with the door closed. And I said, well, go check. So he went outside and I guess he was staying with some friends or something. And he had never been there before. So it's not like I had seen pictures of the place. And um, so he was walking around the garden and he said, well, there's a swimming pool, but there's no fountain. And I said, dad, there's a fountain right by the wall that has the lizards on it. And he said, okay. So he walked over to this wall. And I don't know if they were real lizards or lizard artwork or whatever, but he walked over because he saw these lizard things and he looked down and there was like this little tiny brass fountain that was not even making any sound when he was standing beside it. So that was my first big experience uh, as a kid. And then after that, it just kind of kept happening and it got more intense and, you know, weirder things started to happen. Uh, but it definitely freaked him out. He asked me to put my mom on the phone <laughs> and then, uh, Apparently, according to him, he said, go find the most expensive psychiatrist money can buy because there's something really weird about our kid. (laughs) (laughs) He had started off as kind of a non-believer, but that quickly changed. And that's that's very funny. Uh, Is it like I'm I'm trying to get a good picture in my head just because I, I have no, you know, experience like this. Is it like having an additional sense like smell or touch or Kind of. Yeah. It's it's almost like, okay. So have you ever stood outside on a sunny day and when you look at a window from outside and if the sun's behind you, you can either see the reflection of the sun behind you, or you can focus and look through the window to see what's inside the house. That is the closest thing I could describe it as. It's just a different way of viewing. A lot of people think that mediumship or psychic ability is a focusing when actually it's a relaxing, it's a receptive ability. So Yeah, that would be like the best example I could give you. Um, I also believe everybody has this ability. I think every single person on the planet is in a constant conversation with the universe around them on that same subtle level. It's just that people that are, you know, mediums or psychics, we um, have sort of figured out how to hear the conversation and have it on purpose with a specific intention. But I think that every single person does. So I would say it's just like another sense. Gotcha kind of the way you look at it, it's almost like having a skill in anything else. You know, some people are just naturally talented at it and some people have to find their ability with it. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's exactly it. Like I was born with it sort of switched on already. Um, But I've, I've taught development classes for years. I mean, I've been doing this work professionally for almost 18 years and I'm 36 years old. So it's, it's been more than half my life. Uh, pretty much. And one thing that I've noticed from teaching development classes is that everybody can develop as long as they're willing to be to, to do it and to be wrong at first, because everyone's wrong sometimes. Um, and especially in the beginning, if it's not something that comes naturally, it would be like painting or drawing or cooking. You know, at first you're going to mess it up a whole bunch of times, but over time it it becomes um, a lot easier. And even the mistakes aren't as, you know, damning as they were. I also paint. And uh, when I first started painting, it did not come naturally to me at all. I threw out so many canvases. So, you know, I, I would say it's like building any other skill. Gotcha. With it being the kind of thing, you know, you said you relax to kind of to, to embrace it. Does it ever feel invasive? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Colton. Yes, it does. It sucks sometimes. Yeah. And it, it can like not so much with messages, but actually I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So 
There was this whole period of most of my life where I've been a little on the anxious side. And in fact, I've never met a medium who has not been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder of some kind, not, not one medium. Um, and so I would just be like kind of doing regular things and I would get this wave of like this weird flustered feeling. And I thought, well, that's, you know, annoying. So one time I was getting a haircut and at a salon and this started to happen and I thought, you know what, just for the hell of it, I'm just going to tune in and see if something's around me to, that's trying to talk to me. Right. So I closed my eyes and I just said in my head, like, okay, who's here? And all of a sudden I could hear clairaudiently, which is um, the psychic gift of hearing. Um, I could hear this man yelling at me and I was like, what the hell? So he described, you know, like his message. And then I said, okay, well, you need to tell me more about who you are and you need to tell me a little bit more about you know, like what you're like, who you're looking for, because I'm not going to go knocking on doors to find this person for you. And so he gave me some information. Like, um, I think it was his name. He gave me, uh, his cause of death. He gave me the fact that he was, um, his living arrangements weren't very good and he was pretty specific about them. Um, and he gave me all this information. So when I left the salon, I went to my Facebook page and I said, Hey guys, you know, like weird thing just happened. Here's the message. Can anyone take it? And within about 20 minutes, somebody wrote this comment and said, that's my uncle without a doubt. That's him and confirmed the names and the cause of death and the message made sense and all of that. And so after that, I did that the next few times where I felt overwhelmed for no reason. And sure enough, I was able to deliver messages that were claimed through social media. So yeah, it's uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming. I think over time I've gotten better at not allowing that to happen, but in the beginning, um, especially it was a lot harder. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, some come to you. Is it, I don't even know how to describe this. Is it the same kind of process, you know, trying to reach out to someone else specific? It's totally different. Yeah. That's a really good question. Yeah. So when it just happens, um, or if the person's not right in front of me. So for example, like every Monday night I do Facebook live readings. And in that situation, there's hundreds of people watching and I just say, okay, spirit guides bring through messages for people who are either watching live now, or will watch this as a replay later. And the, what's called evidential information, which is, um, a long word for basically proving that it's somebody that, 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 that existed on earth the evidential information that comes through in like a Facebook live is super, super specific. Sometimes one time I got an address of somebody and that came through from spirit. So that's very, very specific. When I read for somebody um, one-on-one, it's not always that deep. And the reason why, and sometimes it is, but it's not always that deep. And the reason why is it doesn't need the specifics to find its home as a message, right? Because it's going to be directly to the person across from me. Um, So for example, with Facebook live, or any kind of platform mediumship, which is basically we're bringing through messages and there's an audience of people, it's called platform mediumship, um, that it needs to be crazy detailed so that the person can be like, oh, that's for me. But um, yeah, one-on-one, it's not always that crazy. Usually one-on-one, I'll get like causes of death, times of year, personality, common memories, things like that, but not like addresses. (laughs) That was definitely unusually crazy. 
you're like, Hey, whose street address is this? And they're like, don't put my street address online. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was, it was crazy. Uh, another example of that is when spirit guides come through on a live, they, because our spirit guides are not people that we knew in life, survival evidence is not going to be useful in identifying the person, the messages for. Right. And so when spirit guides have come through, sometimes they describe what the person's doing and the room they're sitting in at the time they're hearing the message in a record in the recording. Um, and things like that. I mean, that's just not required if I'm reading for somebody directly. Um, but it does, I always do find it interesting, you know, the ways that they kind of um, come through. It can be very creative. I was going to say, no one described my room. It's a mess. <laughs> no, that's very interesting. And one of the things that I found when trying to, you know, like do some research and look into, you know, a little bit about yourself is that you do offer you know these free things like that where you're like there's no charge to come into your yeah you know your facebook live it's just like yeah. show up um, yeah totally and that's very unique i think because uh, a lot of what you know people see i've only ever seen a couple of advertisements you know for for mediums or for psychics and it's always like come get your reading only $99 for the hour. Um, not like come stop into the room. It's absolutely free. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like I just enjoy doing it. And for one-on-one -on -one readings, I, you know, or group private sessions or, you know, whatever I, I charge money, but I just love doing the, the free stuff too, because there's an element of it. And I, and this is what I like about it is that people aren't expecting it to be free. People are expecting it to there to be some kind of a, a charge or like a hook. And I'm a big fan of random acts of kindness. And I'm a really big fan of the idea of inspiring kindness in the world and, you know, really no strings, strings attached goodwill. And I think those personally, I believe those are the kinds of things that could change our world to make it a better place. And so that's kind of like my way of trying to do that a little bit is by just doing things where they could really help somebody that they wouldn't normally be able to access because they may not be able to afford a private session with me or with somebody else. And so it's kind of like an opportunity to keep it accessible. And one thing that I always let, let people know is like, if a message comes through and it's for them, it's not like a partial message and then they should pay me for the rest of it. Like whatever comes through is as complete as I'm ever going to get it. So don't book a reading based on a message that you got because there's not going to be any more to it. Um, so I'm a big fan of letting people know that I'm also a big fan of letting people know that their loved ones can always hear them. So you don't have to go to a medium to, to tell your loved ones that you, that you love them. They already know that a medium is only good. If there's something you're struggling with that you would like your loved ones or spirit guides input on. Um, and even then people, I believe can do it themselves. It's just that when you're in the throes of grief, it can be a little bit challenging to clear your mind enough to be able to do it for yourself. Yeah. And that's, I think a really good point that you brought up. A lot of people will seek out a medium to try and like give closure to themselves. Um, yeah. and also trying to like, it almost feels like give a closure to the other person that's mm -hmm. not with them anymore. Um, and you said, you know, like they already know that. Yeah, um, they, they totally do. And you know, I think uh, I really believe in this is just based on my experience and what all the spirits have told me over the course of my life is when people pass away, they're instantly at peace. They're never stuck. They are never in some sketchy <laughs> hell, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Like they're always in a good place. They have an immediate 
instantaneous understanding of every part of their life on earth. Um, and so, you know, I, 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 it breaks my heart when people will say things like, oh, you know, I had an argument with my grandfather the week before he passed away. Is he still mad at me? And the answer is always no. I've never once had a spirit come through and say, I'm so pissed at you because you did this or, you know, you should have turned left instead of right or any of those things. I mean, it's just not, it's not a thing. Complete understanding of life um, means from all perspectives, which means that um, they understand why their loved ones on earth do the things that they do, even if they're the wrong things sometimes. Um, nobody's ever born a, a jerk, right? No one's ever born an asshole. Um, and so there's always a reason that people do the things that they do. And a lot of the bad things that people do, it's based on their own pain. It's based on their own suffering. And so when somebody passes away, they can see all of that. And so it's it's seeing life from an elevated perspective where they look at it compassionately because they can see, oh my gosh, well, when little Mary Sue, I don't know, sprayed me with the hose when she was six and, you know, I said I hated her, she really sprayed me with the hose because of this and this and this. And oh my gosh, I really do love her. You know, it's a little bit different of a perspective than what we have on earth because it's a complete perspective. Yeah. So, you know, helping people through grieving and understanding that. Uh, I mean, it almost sounds like you, you just have this conversation, you know, kind of like, well, here's the basics before we ever get into anything. <laughs> like, yeah, here's totally. what I know. Um, yeah, very much so. And, and, you know, like when I do a reading for somebody, my goal is just to bring through whatever it is that's going to help them. So, you know, if it's a loved one who's passed on coming forward, then that may happen. If it's um, somebody struggling with like a, a life situation, then, you know, grandma may not show up. It may be your spirit guide showing up and saying, hey, this is the things that you're learning through your experience. This is the future based on your current path. And this could be the future if you are able to shift it in that direction. So yeah, it really just depends on, on what people need in a reading. But my, my advice, especially through like social media or when I'm doing live readings or whatever, um, at the end of it, and, and I always try to remember this and to say this is like, do not come to see me just to see if somebody's okay or if they're with you because they are both of those things. Only come to see somebody like me if you're really stuck in your process. Yeah. I don't know why this is the thing that just stuck in my brain. But um, when you talked about a spirit guide, is there a rhyme or a reason as to, you know, the spirit guide that picks a person? You know, I... I honestly don't know. I can only go based on what most people have felt and, and what, you know, a lot of us mediums are told, which is that they're not really strangers. They are usually other spirits that we connect with between lives or before we come here. And there's sort of like an agreement that they will guide your path. Um, and I think that there's a good chance that all of us at one point have been a spirit guide for somebody else that we flip flop back and forth between those those different roles. And, and their their job is an interesting one because it's not to, to stop bad things from happening to us. It's to help us to make the most of every experience that we have. And so if we're meant to, for example, I was in a really serious car accident when I was 19 and that shifted my entire life dramatically. And so they didn't stop the accident from happening, but they helped me to learn what I needed to learn from the accident. And that's sort of what, what their job is. Now I'm tangenting because I don't even remember what the question You're was. Good. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's good. I love tangents. Um, I think I get at least one every episode. I try and just let them 
fly because they usually lead somewhere really cool. But yeah, like um, I had said, you know, a spirit guide doesn't necessarily need to know you. No, Um, no. In fact, they don't from this life. uh, Most often we do have what's called ancestral guides, which are a little bit different. And an ancestor would be somebody that is connected to us, but that we didn't ever meet them usually because of time. So they passed before we were born or something like that. I've had those people come forward. In fact, there was one time um, I was giving a reading to somebody and I was describing their loved ones and they said, oh yes, no, that makes total sense. I knew who that is. And then this man came forward and I was like, you know, telling this woman about who it was that he was that was coming in and how he lived a long time ago, and you know that he was like a big deal in the army at one time, and all of these things. And she's like, "No, I don't think that's for me. Like, I don't know who that is." I'm like, "Well, he's not leaving, so he's stomping his foot on the ground, which to me is a symbol of like, no, like this is right. Like, I'm, you know, I'm when they stomp their foot on the ground like that, and the person's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. To me, it's the symbol of saying." you're on the right track, like just keep going. The information is corrected. Maybe they'll find out later. So, so the lady, you know, we finished the session and and I said, well, maybe just look through your family tree or something. And she called me quite a while later and she said, you're never going to guess what I'm doing. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm on my way to the museum in my hometown because you were right. And that man was my uncle or my great uncle. And yes, he was instrumental in like some part of the war and there's a museum exhibit about him and I'm on my way to see it. And I was like, okay, so ancestral spirits are definitely a thing. And ever that was the first time it ever happened. And then it's happened more and more and more where people could climb through their family tree and find um, some of these people that come through. And I just, I find that um, comforting actually, because the fact that we're guided by people we didn't even know that are connected to us that watch over us and are still a part of our lives, even though we may not be aware of it. I think that's kind of a really beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, um, is there, and I don't even know if this is something that you know, or have any information about, is there like a, a time window in which, you know, someone, cause it sounds like, you know, we have past lives. Mm-hmm. Is there a time window as to when, like, you know, an ancestral guide, like, you know, just leaves to reset to do their own thing? Yeah. You know what? I have no idea, to be totally honest. I'm one of those people that believes in past lives and life eternal hereafter. And I have no idea how to stick those two things together in my mind. And, And it's weird because at first I believed in past lives. And then I was like, yeah, but like I, these people have been in heaven for 200 years. Like, you know, like, why aren't they coming back? And then I was like, maybe I don't believe in past lives. And then I had a past life regression. And then I did some research and, you know, really looking at people's past life experiences. And I was like, okay, both of these seem to be correct. And I just, I honestly have no idea how it works. (laughs) Not even Google will tell me. And if Google doesn't tell me something, it's really a a stumper. (laughs) Yeah. That was just what was, I was like, okay, I like both things. I, I am a very, you know, hopeful person because existential crisis uh, is a nightmare every, every other day for me. <laughs> so it's like both things, you know, give me some, some hope for the, the far off future, hopefully. And it's just like, well, when does the, when does the clock reset? Do you take your pick? Do you, you know, what, when do you do this? And it's like, oh, we have no idea. Like, oh, 
okay well yeah <laughs> there's no, that it, it's true i don't know either sometimes i wonder if maybe the spirit and the soul could be two different things like the soul can be the thing that goes from life to life but maybe our spirit is just the the amalgamation of our you know our mental self our emotional self characteristics from who we were at a physical level maybe they're two different things but that's never really sat right with me either so yeah i i I think i file that away and things will never really be able to figure out um because or, or maybe maybe like we we wait until all of our loved ones that we are meant to watch over get on the other side and we all come back together i honestly have no idea there are so many theories out there on how or when those things happen um and not uh, if i'm being honest not one of them has felt totally right to me so i think it's one of those things it's like when people say what's the meaning of life nobody can can whittle it down or distill it to like a an actual tangible meaning they'll say things like well it's to learn okay but why like what what the heck could we possibly need after we're dead um <laughs> you know or or people will say oh it's to spread kindness cool but what's the end game for the entire existence then if it's to spread kindness so i kind of file like some of those very philosophical but very valid questions in 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 to the file folder of we really don't have the reference points to understand it fully yeah i like that you know like yeah we'll just we'll stick this in this folder and we're gonna go ahead and ignore that because (laughs) it's just gonna be frustrating (laughs) well i don't know about you but like my my educational background was all pretty scientific right and so I'm always like, okay, I need to to find the truth, like that that one grain that's left when every other grain is removed. Like, what it what is that one kernel? And for some things in life, I just don't know if we're meant to see them, or at least not at this point in history. But I find it entirely frustrating. <laughs> yes, to be totally honest, I agree entirely. I grew up very scientifically based as well, and so I have tried to you know, throughout my years, like whenever I have an existential crisis, um, I'm like, okay, let's find, you know, some hope in something after this. Um, and I've just never like, you know, I've never locked in with anything, but I always want to find like, you know, the, the greater meaning there. And, uh, that's hard. (laughs) Maybe it's a personal thing though. Like, for example, like what if, every single person has a different purpose. And I, I don't think we even need to know what our life purpose is in order to live it. I think our life purposes are energetic in nature. I think who we are is our purpose and we can bring that wherever we want to go. But but in that same vein of thought, what if that one kernel of truth is so individualized? Like it's not necessarily something that can be cookie cuttered onto every person. So when we're looking, you know, in the middle of our existential nervous breakdowns for the kernel of truth. Maybe it has to be a very personal kernel of truth. Maybe we can't really look any further than ourselves in order to find it. It's just a thought that I have when you were, when you were talking about that. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that why would you generalize, you know, if there are billions of people alive and there will be trillions at some point, whatever the number turns into, why would there be a one size fits all answer? Well, exactly. I mean, even if you look at the way that we perceive things, like if some if, if 100 people watched a movie and then somebody said, OK, what's the movie? What was the movie about? 
generally most people would probably be able to regurgitate the storyline but everybody in that movie will notice either notice something different about it or they'll like something different about it or the overall message that they'll take away from it will be different and i think that's because we're unbelievably unique so for as many people as there ever has been are or ever will be on earth that is how many perceptions there are about life and I don't think that can ever be generalized. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about life is that it's unbelievably different for every person. No two people will ever see the world the same way. Yeah. The next thing that just lodged in my brain, <laughs> they, they just do that sometimes. I'm just like, oh, that's the next thought. It's going to come out of your face hole. Um, <laughs> do you ever have people come to you that ask, what should I be doing? Like, what is, what is my thing? Because I, I feel so lost trying to find like what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's actually a pretty common question. And you know, my, the answer that I always give people, and it sounds like a cop-out answer because it's an easy answer, but I think it's also a true answer, um, is whatever the heck you want. Like, what are you drawn to? What, what fills your cup? What gets you going? Um, I think that I, I think that we all have the ability to follow our heart. I think that there is not necessarily some giant predestined purpose that converts swiftly or, or, or cleanly into a nine to five job, right? So I think that when I said our purposes are energetic, what I mean is that who we are, the way that we interact with the world, our purpose fuels that. So whether you're fueling that, I don't know, like, screwing the toothpaste tube calves out of the toothpaste factory or whether you're like prime minister of a country or president of a country it doesn't really matter because the effect that you have on the world around you will be present no matter what you do and so when we take that pressure of having to be a certain person doing a certain thing at some divinely ordained predestined level and we set it aside then what we have left is what will be fulfilling to me what is going to help me to feel like I'm making a difference in my life, a difference in the world, you know, what, what will sing to my heart, what gets me energized. Like that's the stuff that people should focus on because no matter what they do, they will live their purpose. Um, and so why not enjoy it if you can? Absolutely. And that's, it's kind of how I felt like going through life. I find this thing and I'm like, you know what, this is a lot more fulfilling than the last one. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this for a while and you just kind of keep going. And that's like, I think podcasting is where I've kind of locked in. It um, is fun, isn't it? It's super fun. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, as I've gotten to do it more and more, um, I've seen communities of podcasters, which are all almost unanimously kind, which is mm -hmm. really strange to like walk into a community where everyone's trying to actively help each other. But I see people, you know, post memes where they're like, you know, me doing six hours worth of work for six listeners. And they're like, it's not good work, but it's honest work. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It, it totally, I think, I think this kind of thing is like, I, I mean, I make, I make videos. So I don't do podcasts. Well, actually I do. I do. Um, I do a segment on blast the radio um, called 60 second psychic where the, the host will um, read a listener question. I have 60 seconds to do a reading on it. It's very stressful, but fun. Um, <laughs> but, but 
I understand what it's like to create content. And I think it's incredibly fulfilling, even for the five people who might put a heart on it or the one person who says, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I needed today. I mean, I think that, I mean, that is very special. And so I completely understand what you mean when you say that it speaks to your heart and then you've locked into something that you really love. It's also incredibly endless with the amount of content that you can create and the creative spins you can put on things. And I, I mean, I totally see the, the love in it a hundred percent. I really jumped into the general pool when mm. I decided to do this podcast. Cause I'm like, well, I'm just going to cover things with experts that people don't know about. And I'm like, well, that's a gigantic field of everything. Yeah. But that's actually what's kind of really cool about what you do is that like one day they could be listening to somebody like me, who's a medium. And next week it'd be like Bob, the plumber talking about <laughs> like high end drain function, like, or whatever, you know, I, I think that's actually super cool. And I think that it exposes people to things that they may not necessarily normally learn about. And that's a very special thing. It's like, like Ted talk level stuff. It's super cool. Yeah. And that's kind of the hope behind it is like, you know, if you've ever thought about any of these topics before, like give a listen, because I guarantee you're going to learn something from someone that actually does it all the time. Um, yeah, And that's been one of the coolest things when people like listen to the show and then talk to me about it is they're like, I was just at the hygienist and I didn't know this is what they were doing. And I'm like, oh, well now, you know, they're. I love that kind of content though. Like, I don't know about you, but I found, I fall down like YouTube rabbit holes. <laughs> like, like once, like I could look up, I don't know, like how to make candy. And then by the end of the night, I'm watching like, I don't know how they embalmed plague people like, <laughs> in, like 1601 or whenever, you know, like I, I just find it so fascinating. And I think the other cool thing is if you think about, think about this for a second, let's say you help somebody, right? Let's say you help somebody and it could be um, you giving them advice. It could be you bringing on like the hygienist that talks about dental health, whatever it is. Um, When they take that and they use that information and they make their life better with it and they go on to help somebody else who goes on to help somebody else who goes on to help somebody else, your energy is in that last person all the time because you were a part of their process of getting to the next step within their evolution. And so I think that the kind of content that you offer, the questions that you ask, um, the types of people you bring on really like magnify that principle of we are always in the people that we help. Uh, we are always a part of the people that you know, go on to help other people and all of that. I think your show actually is a very good example of how cool that can be because in 10 years, somebody might say, oh yeah, I learned from this person that when a hygienist does this, this is what they're doing. And that started with you. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Sorry to take my own tangent there. No. I'll try and reel back in. I think I would be remiss if I did not ask the the Halloween question here, sure. um, which is, uh, you, you've already said kind of like everyone's at peace. So where's your stance on the angry spirit ghost? <laughs> okay. Well, actually I like this question. It's a complicated answer. Actually, before I, have you seen that funny meme where it says, um, why are hauntings always done by 
you know, women like from medieval days with their long gowns and the candle in the hallway. Nobody just shows up and says, it's Britney, bitch. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I love that meme because I think it's accurate. So hauntings, I find, um, are very mi- misperceived. Hauntings are not done by spirits necessarily. When somebody has a tragic passing, um, part of the energy field can fragment, right? And so what they're actually seeing is an energized fragmentation. So it's not actually the person's spirit. It's the moment in time. It's just a moment in time, um, an emotionally charged moment in time that they are seeing. Most of the time in my experience, because I did a lot of paranormal investigation, um, when somebody is experiencing a haunting, usually they're gifted. There's some element of sensitivity to the person experiencing the haunting. And sometimes there are entities that are not human spirits that sort of wander around the world. Um, And some of them are called parasitic entities, which are like ones that will provoke fear so that they can basically feed off of it. Um, They're not that uncommon, but they're not as common as Hollywood would would lead us to believe. That's for sure. Is there, I mean, now now that I'm paranoid, um, (laughs) if you're, you know, around a parasitic entity, how do you know So, yeah, great question. So they will always anchor into something unhealed within the person. So, for example, like, let's say there was somebody who struggled with, I don't know, like anger issues and that anger was sitting on top of, I don't know, some kind of emotional trauma and they had a a parasitic attachment, energetic attachment that would be anchored into that initial trauma and it would provoke that anger. Now, how can somebody tell if they have a parasite? they generally will feel very drained. They will experience whatever emotion the parasite is drawing out of them at random times. Sometimes they could be totally relaxed one second and and super anxious or angry or whatever the next for absolutely no reason. And the big, the big important part of that is that the emotions, the thoughts will be very intense, come out of nowhere and not really have um, any immediate cause to them. So just show up out of nowhere. Um, the way to get rid of them obviously is to clear them out. And you can do that either by, you know, calling in divine protection and cutting the cord. Um, but the best way to do it is to heal whatever it's anchored into. So if you've got some kind of buried thing, mentally, emotionally, physically, that is probably where it's sticking, um, or stuck into, and that's what you have to heal. And when you heal it, the rest of that's going to, to go away. They're not that common. I can tell you right now, you don't have one (laughs) (laughs) that makes you feel better. Um, I can always feel them when they're attached to people. Well, I don't say always, always, because we're not always right about the things that we see, but generally speaking, I can feel it. And the way that it feels to me, um, it feels like a black hole in somebody's energy field. It feels like suction (laughs) on some level. Um, And so, yeah, you just, you don't have that going on at all. Good. (laughs) Good. That is a weight off of my shoulders, metaphorically. (laughs) Good. I do kind of like you know the way you describe it lines up with I think some of my my more favored theories that I've heard about you know ghosts and hauntings which is like this one moment in time was so extreme mm-hmm. and such a combination sometimes of many people's extreme experience that it just like kind of locks it a little mm-hmm. and then that is able to like slip through time itself and yeah. so people will just experience you know, basically like a regression to that time. Yeah, Um, totally. 
Yeah. And I really think that's all it is. It's the same, like when somebody experiences something that's like when they're still alive and they experience some massive amount of trauma of some kind. I mean, there's fragmentation oftentimes in that where a part of the person's energetic programming just like breaks off and it stays in that moment. I know that's getting into a whole other topic, but it's very similar to that where, you know, like the really emotionally charged experience creates this sort of freeze of that moment. And when it becomes energized, it becomes visible again, um, either by the space remembering it or um, the fragment just basically coming back to life for a minute. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a firework with a fuse that you didn't measure. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good way to look at it. I like that. Yeah, totally. So what are some other major misconceptions that people probably have about, you know, mediums or, or psychic endeavors? Sure. Yeah. Uh, that we, so the big, so actually I'll go with this one. So I'm always asked for lottery numbers, mostly by condescending trolls, Sure, <laughs> but, yeah. but that's a good example. Like, I don't know of anybody who's successfully used psychic ability to do that or that we know everything. I mean, one time I had, this was years ago, somebody was running exceptionally late for an appointment. And when they finally got here, it was like two hours later. And they're like, well, didn't you know it was going to happen? I was like, no, <laughs> like, what? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> we're not God. We don't see everything um yeah so like that that's another one is that we know everything i mean we definitely don't know everything um that we're only after people's money i mean like the the annoying part about that is every pro professional on the earth is asking to be paid so for whatever reason we seem to get the the hard edge of that when nobody else does that's another misconception uh, that we are super weird. I mean, I definitely am, but not because I'm a medium. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think there's just a lot of misconceptions um, or that we, you know, we all practice witchcraft or, or whatever. Like that's not even on my radar or something that I even know a whole lot about. Yeah. So I, I think there's just a, a lot probably. I could probably uh, go on forever with the things that people have, have asked me about. Um, the work that, that I do or that people like me do. Yeah. I'm sure there's a million bad representations out there for every one good one. Yeah. Uh, because it, see, it seems like that's what you always see out there is like, Oh, here's the one bad one. Yeah. And uh, there are there, like there definitely are charlatans, but in every job, like you can go and find, you know, like sketchy doctors, you can go and find sketchy car salesmen, you could go and find terrible mechanics or contractors or bankers or, or whatever. And I think in my experience, like most people are good, like, you know, most people that do this work do it earnestly, even if they have moments where they're not accurate, they're at least doing it from an, an authentic place. And then there are people who absolutely should never be doing it because they're intentionally trying to steal from people. And I think that's, you know, like in any profession, that's the one that, that, um, puts the red letter on the rest of us for sure. Right. Nobody hates a bad medium more than good mediums. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And you know, like I, or, or that we're always super accurate. Like that's another one. That's a misconception. I mean, we, we, a lot of us have really good um, track records of accuracy, but we are by no means 100% accurate 100% of the time. That is impossible. So that's another one that, that I always find annoying for whatever reason. And I don't even see that 
coming from people that seek our services. I see that coming from sketchy people doing the work where they'll say I'm 100% accurate or, you know, I'm 99.9% accurate. And I'm just like, you're fooling yourself. <laughs> like yeah. if you actually believe that. That's yeah. right. Buyer beware. I do think my favorite kind of trope that uh, sure. happens in medium is uh the medium that starts as a charlatan and is then like suddenly forced on the actual ability. Yeah. I um, like Whoopi Goldberg and ghost. I think. Oh is my, I love that movie so much, so <laughs> much. And, and the two lines that are iconic for me, are obviously like you in danger girl. And then the other one though, is when she brings through the ghost Orlando and He's like, hey, baby, what'd you do to your hair? And she's like, it's autumn sunrise. Do you like it? I don't know why those two lines kill me every time. So funny. I have not. I may have seen that movie maybe two or three times in my, you know, 28 years. And uh, it's really good. But the one that always stuck with me was Ditto. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, he never said I love you too. He said Ditto. That is a very good example of evidential mediumship. So, um, and, and the reason why it's a good example is it's sort of a general sort of thing to say, but it's not at the same time, because that is incredibly specific to the person that it would be meaningful for. Right. And so I think that that is in that whole movie, that is probably the best example of evidential mediumship. And it's simple. You know, because anybody listening to that would be like, oh, he just said ditto, like whatever. But the person receiving it is like, oh, my God, that's the only thing he said. And so it, it, it that, yeah, very good example of that. Yeah, at that, that moment has lodged in my psyche permanently. And now I'm like, I need to make a saying one thing that like I say to people close to me so they'll know if I die, like this is the, this is the me. Um, and. And I'm going to give one piece of advice with that. Sure. Um, one piece of advice with that, which is if in the far future you, you know, die and, you know, you've told all of your loved ones that are still on earth that when they go to see a medium, if they go to see a medium, don't do not, do not tell, uh, do get them to not say, well, the, my loved one said they would say only one phrase. So what is it? Cause that puts us as deer in the headlights and it will never come through at least not I'm too anxious to try that um but in a in a really good session a lot of the times it will come through without even being asked so um tell them not to ask for it specifically well that's very good nervous um, mediums don't give good readings <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine not you're like oh now I can't relax at all yeah can't focus I had that happen to me once where somebody had said well you know, I'm looking for this specific sign. And I was like, immediately I got a flash in my mind of a, of a clover. And I was like, what the hell? And the client was sitting pretty close to me, but I was too afraid. I was too nervous to say it. This was many years ago. I was too nervous to say it. So I had my pen and paper and I just started drawing this clover on it. And she looked down and she looked up and her jaw hit the floor. And she said, oh my God, <laughs> that was it. That's, that's what she was going to show me. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I realized in that moment, like I was so nervous. I was lucky that that even came through, that was able to come through. Yeah. Yeah. That would be very stressful. I guess if I prematurely die, I'm just going to harass, you know, Matt Stapley until someone <laughs> remembers that I did this interview. 
<laughs> oh my god that would be funny i have had things like that happen not from people who have interviewed me but um i've definitely had spirits show up where um actually i'll tell you a very quick story if you want to hear one of that yeah go for it so i was living in these apartment buildings and i was outside and somebody in the apartment across the street got shot two people got shot in fact and immediately i could feel one of the spirit energies around me and he was trying to give me messages to pass on and i was like listen dude like uh i can't go knocking on doors to find out who this is for if you want this message delivered bring your loved one to me or to another medium doesn't matter but if you want it delivered by me bring them to me and so a year or so later i was doing a reading for somebody and this man came through and i was like frick he feels so familiar to me um but i didn't you know say that i just brought the messages through and then at the end of the reading, the lady said, you know what the weirdest part about him coming through is he literally died across the street a year ago. He was shot in the lobby. And I was like, oh my God, he actually did bring <laughs> to me. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Um, because even though like it came through how he died in the reading, I didn't see it across the street. You know, I came through symbolically. Like I could see a gunshot and I could see all these different things. Um, but I didn't know until she told me that that's who it was other than that he felt familiar for some reason. It was, it was cool. Yeah, that is really cool. What are probably, I don't know how long I have you for, but, um, however long you want. Oh, cool. What are like some of the most common questions and what are good questions? That's a good question. Um, that's a good question. Um, there so it is. <laughs> you did it. You answered it. Um, so good questions. Um, it really depends on what they're wanting to know. So for example, if they're wanting spirit communication, at least in the beginning, ideally, when you go to see a medium, you want them to know nothing about you. You don't want to tell them why you're coming to see them. Like all of that should be tucked away within the person receiving the reading and only if really needed, should they, should they voice anything? Right. And so so if you're going just for a general reading, don't tell them anything about yourself. If they start asking you questions, leave, <laughs> get up, get up and walk out the door, unless they're an astrologer or a numerologist, in which case they have to ask questions in order to draw your chart. But any for anything else, they shouldn't have to add, to know, you know, where you're from or when you were born or any of that stuff, generally speaking. And so um, the first step is to like do, literally just go and show up, sit down see what happens when it comes to question period. Um, if you want a loved one to come through that hasn't come through and you're seeing a medium and the medium is somebody who can sort of go get a loved one in spirit, some don't and some do just a name and nothing else. Don't tell them how old they were, young they are. Definitely do not tell them how they died or when or what their personality was or even necessarily their relationship to you because all of those things can get into the medium's imagination and they start doing what's called projection, which is where their ideas come out as a message when really it's, it's not a message, it's just their ideas. So the less information you provide, the better it is. Um, if it is a question about the future, um, specific, be specific about the question that you're asking. Um, you can do like a general, what's my love life look like, or you can say, does, you know, Bob down the street, love me as much as I love him. Those are two very different kinds of questions. And so I think it's very important to go in with specifics if it's life path stuff, um, and literally no specifics other than what the medium may need to use as sort of like a, an anchor, uh, or a lens at which to interpret the energy for mediumship. I, I think be as general as possible. Um, no specific details. That's my advice. 
that's good advice. I mean, for people that are, you know, seeking a medium, like, hey, you find one, but if they start asking really detailed questions, like yeah. just get out of there. <laughs> get out of there. If they want to know more than your name, like some people will do name and date of birth. I don't understand why people need a date of birth. I think honestly, it's probably more like they just want something to focus on. Um, Cause I know psychics who are phenomenal and very authentic. And for whatever reason they ask for a name and date of birth, I don't think it's needed, but whatever. I, I, yeah, if they don't, if they ask more than that, like get out of there, if they want the names of the people you live with, get out of there. If they want, you know, like what you do for a living, no. Or if the messages are unbelievably general. So an unbelievably general message would be like, oh, your great grandmother's here. She wants you to know that she loves you. For like an evidential medium, like there needs to be more than that. There needs to be like a name or a time of death or like a general, they died in a certain month or their cause of passing or really, really solid picture of their personality or a physical description or some kind of common memory that's very unique not like you got a christmas present from them <laughs> something that's really specific like you got i don't know like donkey kong game in a super nes on christmas but it was a day late because they were stuck in a snowstorm that would be specific but just saying you got a christmas present not specific so yeah you're wanting you're wanting to look for also um when you're receiving reading for specific information in mediumship and that's also very important um i've had people sit down in front of me and say you know last last July, my grandfather died from, I don't know, toe cancer. And it's been very hard on my family and my, my mom has anxiety now. And when people do that to me, I'm like, okay, I really hate to do this, but I've, I've got to give you your money back because you just gave me all of the kind of information that I would bring through in a reading so that you can validate that that it's that person. But because you've kind of given me the information, we don't really have a lot to go on. So I refer them to somebody else. You're like, well, that's the end of this interview. Here's <laughs> someone, you know, I can recommend you to and I won't know anything about don't you tell, don't them, tell stuff. them this. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, it 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 can be challenging because you know, when people walk in the door, like they're looking for either guidance or to help work through whatever pain they're experiencing. And so it, it's it's challenging, I think, even for some people when they sit in the chair not to want to open up. But I think you have to go into a session open-minded, but not providing a ton of information. If um, a medium or psychic says, does this make sense to you? They should at least give you something significant to ponder um, rather than something super general. Yeah, something objectively verifiable. Yes, exactly. That's exactly it. That's good. Is there something easier on the, the spectrum of things people ask you? Is there something easier and something much more difficult? Um, yeah. So like past, present, future questions for me, super easy. It, it's, it's, um, it's not something where I have to really, what's called raising your vibration. I have to raise my vibration super high to do that. Loved ones is a lot more energy. It's a lot more tiring. It's a lot more taxing. It's a lot more exhausting. Uh, which is oftentimes where you'll see like people who do um, certain types of readings um, that are more like past, present, future oriented, their prices sometimes are a lot lower than a medium. And, and oftentimes mediums can only stay in that state for so long and only for so long in a day. Um, so yeah, anything mediumship oriented is a, a lot more tiring. Um, past, present, future questions to me are not so tiring. Um but yeah, in terms of the difficulty, that's that's what I would say. That would be the sort of two 
different um, categories of, of, of difficulty. It's kind of like having a, a different communication style. Almost exactly like having a two different communication styles. So when a medium is communicating with somebody in the spirit world, um, they basically, they basically raise their vibration and the spirit lowers its vibration to sort of meet in like a, a halfway point. If you kind of, you know, like those movies that have like the, the, the person visiting their loved one in jail scene, and there's like the windows and the phones and, you know, like they're separated by glass. So they both pick up a phone to talk. That's kind of what it's like. I think personally, we're the ones in jail, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's kind of like that. And it's a lot of energy to, to make that connection, even for those of us who are born with it sort of switched on already. Um, it's exhausting. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like it would be, um, having to, to kind of change your, you know, level of, uh, being. So to speak. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and also like the way that psychic information comes through, um, it's almost like it's superimposed on what we're already seeing. So we're also having to process at a, like a neurological level, the cognitive level level, we're having to process multiple double the information basically than we normally would. So think about what that would be like to our brain function, right? Like seeing a world as it is and then sticking another world on top of it. And you're having to process all of that. I mean, it's, it's no wonder that it's tiring for sure. My ADHD hates the sound of that. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I'm, I have autism and, or I am autistic and, uh, I find it very overwhelming sometimes for sure. So I understand a neurodivergence, um, makes it not so easy to do these things. Sure. Um, does this look, I know I keep picturing it in my head and I'm sure it's the, uh, the Hollywood media that has done it to me, but is this like the dark room and the, you know, the like big heavy curtain, you know, curtain, as I say, with a curtain behind me, um, like, you know, what is this, what does a, a meeting look like? Um, so at least with me, it doesn't look like that. Um, you know, I, I don't know where Hollywood got that from the dark room is very spiritualist. So way back when seances were like, so, so picture like Victorian era, right? Like seances were like seven nights a week, pretty much. And people would, would find these mediums and they would either go to the medium's house or the medium would go to their house. And, and with seances, dark rooms are very common. And the reason why is there's, um, ectoplasmic activity, which is, something that's very hard to explain, but basically physical mediums, which is a totally different, very rare kind of mediumship, physical mediums, when they're going to deep trance, um, it has been reported that like a mist comes out of them and the mist can shape itself in different things like instruments or whatever. And this is something that um, a lot of charlatans were able to make it look like that was happening, but there's also mediums where it's been very authentic ectoplasmic activity. Um, So the dark room was often used to try to allow that to happen because it never happens in solid light. Yeah. So so that's the, one of the biggest reasons why you see the dark room with a seance and most seances are done in dark rooms and it's to allow for clairvoyance to be more easy. It's a, to allow, um, then the ability to see things that you wouldn't normally see, or they'll be done in very dim lighting. Um, have you ever looked into a dark closet and 
seen something other than your clothes there, even if it's just for like a second and it's sort of like your mind playing a trick on you, that can be used to the advantage of a medium um, in the sense that clairvoyance and being able to see things oftentimes is just flashes like that. Um, and, you know, it does in a sense use our the same faculties as our imagination. So yeah, that's where the dark room part most likely comes from. The rest of the whole curtains and candles and bones and honestly i have no idea where that comes from but um i can definitely say i've never walked into a medium's house and and seen that <laughs> ever never <laughs> like you walk in look around at it and like oh no, no you're trying too hard right no like i could turn my camera i'm sitting in my office right now and i could turn my camera around and you will not see sketchy dark curtains anywhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> nothing like that here yeah you're like you have open windows and natural lighting and <laughs> open windows literally no dust flying through the air no weird animals you know like it looks pretty normal yeah you don't have the some kind of caged horror in the corner <laughs> or anything like that that would be kind of fun though now that i'm thinking about it <laughs> 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 kind of cool uh yeah no I, and i think that like that's very very hollywood i mean definitely like people could expect to see things like crystals they could expect to see things like salt rock lamps maybe an antique chair but that's really just um crystals are used by a lot of psychics because they contain energy and they help with different things um but yeah i would say anything that's overly theatrical i would i would find it a little weird for sure it doesn't mean they're not good it just means they might be buying into that side of it a little bit themselves sure with that same kind of measure where do you stand on something like a tarot card reading i love tarot i love tarot cards i think like any tool the person who's using it makes makes the difference in it right so for example somebody could i don't know hand me a scalpel and tell me to perform brain surgery I could try, <laughs> but that's better left to a brain surgeon to do it. Um, and, and tools of, of the psychic trade are no different than that, whether it's crystals or tarot cards or Oracle cards or crystal balls or, you know, like lot casting or anything else. Um, it really depends on the person doing it and their skill level with their intuition and psychic ability in the interpretation of the cards or, or the tool. Um, when I go get readings done, um, it's going to sound terrible, but like, I don't usually want to go see a medium. I want to go see like a tarot reader because I just think tarot is super cool. And, um, when somebody's good at tarot, it can be freakishly good at tarot. <laughs> like it's unnerving sometimes. That's cool. I've always wanted to get one. And then I'm like, eh, I don't know if I ever want to really know my future that much. You, it's could, what you could get, um, different kinds of like, I've got a friend and, she can do the future, but most of her focus is more like life path stuff. So she'll look at like, like if somebody has this, a repeating cycle within their life, she will pull that apart and be like, you know, I see this as a cycle going on in your life and this is where it's showing up right now. And this is what you can do about it. So like, that's the cool thing about tarot is that it's so versatile. Like you can do a reading like that, or you can look at what's going to happen three hours from now. And if somebody's good at interpreting it, really the amount of information that can come through is, is almost endless. It's super, super neat. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm one of those. That's just like, I'd love to know the future because it's really cool to have the, like the knowledge but at the same time, I'm like, what if I don't want to know it? What if part of the fun is in the surprise? Oh, I think you're totally right about that. And 
Yeah, no, I think you totally are. And and I always say too, like a reading should be a last resort. It shouldn't be like a go-to, right? Um, and for that exact reason, also it can change, right? So somebody could say, oh, well, this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And it may not because you may walk out of there. If somebody said, oh, next year you're going to go skydiving and you're like, oh my God, I'm terrified of skydiving. So I'm just going to go throw myself off a cliff so I don't have to do that. Well, chances are next year you're not going skydiving. Yeah. So, you know, like we can we can shift our, our path substantially. I think even though we may have certain lessons that are sort of predestined things that we have to learn at a soul level, I think the way that we learn them is completely up to us. And so because of that, I think, I think the way that you're looking at it, of maybe I don't want to know, maybe I want to enjoy the surprise. I personally think that's the best thing to do. Um, I think that's the absolute best thing anybody can do is it is far better for us to learn how to get through whatever it is that, that we're going through rather than figuring out what's on the other side of it. Um, unless we really, you know, would find it truly helpful to know. I don't think there's necessarily any major reason to do it. Yeah, it's kind of to me like a uh, you know a Christmas present. Yeah. I don't want to know what's in the Christmas present before I open it. I want to be like that, Colton, because I'm not. I was like the psychic who was addicted to readings. <laughs> like, like seriously, um, seriously, it's kind of funny. But no, I was the years ago, especially. I would call the psychic lines to get readings. I would do all of that for whatever reason. I guess desperation. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think the way that you're doing it is honestly the healthiest way to do it, the best way. Because the other side of that thing that I've seen in people, um, especially if they've gotten readings that are really accurate, um, is they can sometimes become dependent on it. And that is never good. That is never good. And I've, and I've had to cut clients off a few times because they were come like, they're wanting to come too often. And I was like, listen, like you have to live your, your life. I can't live it for you. And um, you also shouldn't base massive changes solely on a reading because we may not see it perfectly. Um, we may not see it properly even sometimes. And so, um, it is better to learn to roll with the punches, I think. Yeah. And that's kind of a, uh, I, the, the mental image on that one was like minority report. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen me. it. Yeah. That's one of those where it's like, well, the outcome changed because you made a solid decision that affects what you're looking at. Yeah. And that's like, yeah, throwing yourself off a cliff because you don't want to jump out of a plane. And like, yeah, you've changed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, like totally. And and I think I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand is is something that is so uh possible, you know, like either they can self-fulfill a prediction or they might be so freaked out by it or afraid of it that they'll run the other direction and it won't happen anyway. So when you go for a reading, if you're wanting to go to look at the future, be very open-minded, but also always, doesn't matter how good of a psychic they are, how amazing a reputation they have, always take it with a grain of salt, always. Yeah, I think the one time you'd get me where it's like, okay, I, I want to know where my future sits, even though I'm going to try and remain as you know optimistic or anything as possible as if I had a cancer diagnosis hmm. and I'm like, oh, am I going to recover from this? Or like and, at that point, I might just need some reassurance. And in those situations, and that's what I'm talking about too. Like when, when somebody just needs like that help, they've done everything that they can do on their own. And so that's kind of like the last stop on the, on the road, right? That's a good example of something where it could be very beneficial or 
Um, if somebody is like has a decision to make and they have like five different choices, going to see somebody who could say, well, in path one, this looks like the progression of, of the path or and in path two, this looks like the progression of the path. And so it kind of helps the person to make a decision. I think that's okay. I think those are good reasons or for very specific things like, like your example, uh, illness, or if there's, I don't know, like a court case, let's say somebody's going to court and they say, what do I really need to know about this process? Like, what do I, what, you know, what will the outcome be, but also how can I best get through this? That's a totally different story because that's just um, very situational. And I think those kinds of things can be really, it can be very helpful for somebody like us to be involved. But yeah, I've, I've seen people that basically didn't want to, didn't, didn't, didn't want to turn their head to the right because what if, and so they get a reading on it, you know, it's like, we're the person sitting on Tinder. Should I swipe right or left? Okay. How about now? Okay. How about now? Um, I mean, that's just, I think that's, that's what, where I see dangerous patterns. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to, I'm going to log into Tinder now. And for this next hour long booking, I'm just going to have you tell me right or left. I totally you're like, just go right on all of them. I don't care. I made a TikTok video of that once. I'm <laughs> just like joking around me when I was single. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty much that. Yeah, I was I was the one who did that for sure. <laughs> That's funny. It reminds me of the, I don't know if you've seen the meme where they're like, the first time I went to buy a crystal ball, the person told me always keep this sheet over it. And they were like, oh, why? Because it'll invite unintended spirits and they're like no because if the sun hits it weird it'll burn your house down (laughs) it happened to me colton it actually did i had a crystal ball when i had so i had an apartment like years and years and years ago and i bought a crystal ball because i think they're cool and i have and i do know how to use them um so i have this giant crystal ball and it was lead crystal so it was very clear there were no occlusions at all in it and there was a, a box of kleenex sitting beside it And I was out all day and I came home that evening and I was like, what is that smell? And I went in and I was like, oh my God, like the Kleenex box is smoking. And I picked it up and you could see a burn mark in a line across the Kleenex box as the sun was moving across the sky that day. This was the burn mark line that it was forming. And then um, the box, the Kleenex box was hot. And when I put it in water, the entire thing just starts smoking up like crazy. All the Kleenex inside was charred. And I, after that moment, started covering the crystal ball. It, It absolutely is a thing. Yeah. Is there like a recommendation? I always try and get something from, you know, the expert when I do this. If someone wanted to, you know, either try and polish their abilities or figure out if they're good at it, is there a good like a litmus test to to that's, figure that's, that out? That's a great question. Um, is there a litmus test? Well, with mediumship, for example, the litmus test would be bringing through evidential information about somebody who's passed away for somebody that you don't know, um, or at least at least you don't know the loved one or or about them or anything like that. That would be the litmus test for that. For psychic ability, it would really just be a track record of accurate prediction. But I don't even think that the litmus test is really the best approach to it. If somebody wants to develop, the learning is in the doing. So whether they just do a bunch of research and and, there's a million YouTube videos out there that will show you different ways that you can practice for free. Or if they want to join a class, the main thing is that they actually practice it. And on and the best practices with people that you've never met, you don't know them from a hole in the wall, because then there's less chance of your projecting in the reading. So 
That would be my advice. Um, either find a process or a class or something where you can practice on people where you can learn some things. And I would say if you're going to practice on your own, or even if you're looking for a class, the one thing that needs to be taught is how to ground yourself, how to clear your energy field and how to shield yourself. If those three components are missing, it's like a recipe for disaster later on. Okay. Uh, could you explain a little bit of what those three kind of are? Sure. So energy clearing is basically like just taking energy that isn't yours and kicking it out of your, your energy field. Um, grounding is releasing excess energy. So like, have you ever, I'm sure you've heard like the, of the exercise where you sit and you imagine roots growing out of your feet or whatever into the earth and you're releasing all the tension, um, down into the earth. That's an example of grounding. And what grounding does is it just releases anything that's not needed or that you're not using. Um, and so the reason that's important with psychic work, especially after a reading is that you're going to be full of that, that energy, because you're not only running your energy, you're also connecting with the energy of somebody else or somewhere else. Um, and it's just natural that you're going to pick some things up. And so grounding helps to release that. It also, before a reading helps you to focus and get into that receptive space. So you're not thinking about, you know, like what's for dinner and what did you mix the clothes before you put them in the wash or, you know, whatever it takes all of those things away. Um, and shielding is just basically how to bubble yourself up so that you're not slammed by somebody else's crap, because we all have things within us that we are working on nobody's ever 100% perfectly healed. There's always something going on, even if it's something very physical and very temporary, like they, I don't know, they worked out in the gym. So their muscles are repairing. That's still something that is a type of healing and process. If they have a lot of openness and a lot of things that they're working on, then anything that, that, that might be similar to that, that the person that they're reading for is working on, they're probably going to be hit by that energy. It will anchor into those places. And so bubbling up stops that from happening, or at least slows it down a whole bunch. Um, so yeah, that's why those, those things are important. Yeah. I mean, it definitely sounds important. Um, it kind of, uh, you know, it makes me think like you said, you know, all mediums have some level of anxiety, uh, and to some extent, like some of those are principles of meditation that they try and like, you know, teach how to, how to relax. Yeah. And so it's like, oh yeah, of course you're trying to like get over both your personal anxiety and whatever you're dealing with to like get to a relaxed place. Oh, exactly. Because you can't receive properly if your head is like, it's like you can't fill a cup that's already full. Not, not really, you know, and with mediumship, you need to be receptive. Um, Otherwise it's not going to work. Yeah. Well, I appreciate this. I have just been throwing questions at you. <laughs> oh, they've been great questions. And, and thank you for having me on. This has been awesome. Absolutely. I enjoyed this thoroughly. Um, me too. So if people want to find more about you or reach out to you, where can they do it? Sure. So um, I guess I'm most active on Facebook. So um, my name is Matthew Stabley on Facebook and my page has um, at least in this moment has like a black and white photo of me standing in the woods, but that they can do like facebook.com slash Canadian psychic. Um, and they can find me on Instagram on Canadian psychic, and they can find me on TikTok as Canadian psychic. Um, and of course my website is matthewstapley.com, but if they really want to sort of see me do readings and, you know, see, check out my content, Facebook would definitely be the place to do that for sure. There you go. Okay, go find yourself the number one Canadian psychic. 
<laughs> I don't know about that, my friend, but I'm always happy to help when I can. Well, there you go. You're you're just dumb enough endorsed. <laughs> <laughs> thank Number you. One. <laughs> I appreciate it. So thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast. I would like to hope that all of you out there are sharing this with people that you know. And uh, if you don't know that newer or weirder person in your life, perhaps this episode is a good uh, way to bridge that gap. Also, leave some reviews on iTunes. It really, really, really helps. I cannot understate that enough. Also, I'm going to be in Florida from November... I want to say 19th or 20th, until the 31st. So if you're in Florida and you're going to be near the Venice area or the Tampa area, let me know. I'd love to hang out or chat or do whatever just with somebody that, you know, listens to the show. I think that'd be fun. So hit me up. You can also reach out to me at dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook pages or Twitter or anything else. I know I'm not super active, but I'm working on it. All right, thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.